0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 89 of Midweek Metagame. I'm HarryMTG, joined by my two regular co-hosts, Patrick Robertson. Good evening, everybody. And Gable Nassif. Hey, everyone. Well, 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 we have a lot of modern to talk about today as normal, Um, as well as I think we're going to get into some standard talk as well as the limited talk because of the new set that just came out. I don't even know the name. I just know it's like Dungeons and Dragons. What's the actual official name?
1: I'm just calling it Dungeons and Dragons.
0: Something of the Forgotten Realm. I think it's
1: Adventures in the Forgotten Realm. The Forgotten Adventures Realm being one of the settings the for the, the universe.
0: Right, interesting. It's funny because I'm actually playing a pre-release for the set this weekend. I don't even know the name. But um, yeah, that's come out. So we're obviously going to talk about a bit of limited, bit of standard stuff as well. Going to be interesting, but mostly modern today. Before we get into this episode, as always, the cast is brought to you by Card Market. They sponsored the podcast. You don't know what it is. It's a um, marketplace online for you to buy anything card game related. It doesn't have to be Magic the Gathering. You can buy accessories, singles. You can sell on there. Check out. The website's amazing. We've all used it a ton. Cardmarket.com or cardmarket.eu. Go check them out and thank them for sponsoring the cast. As well as if you would like to personally support the podcast, best place to do so is at patreon.com slash midweekmedigame. No pressure to do so. But this week we actually got a new Patreon, which we have to thank, which is Jeff. So thank you so much for supporting our content.
1: Shout out to Jeff. We have to thank you.
0: Thanks, Jeff. But yeah, that's really kind of it for the intro. So why don't we just get straight into modern? Um I guess I'll start things off this week with a wow, Hammer Time has exploded as a as an archetype being played on Magical Line. You know, used to play it maybe once every th- three to five leagues now i'm seeing it once maybe twice a league loads of people are playing it feels like right now in modern the top two most played decks are blue red murktide and hammer time from my perspective uh, this is also reflected by one of the most recent challenges with four hammer time in the top eight so i'm sure we're going to be breaking down that deck a lot today as well i personally played this week um the rhino deck again had more blue red murktide as always i love murktide. I think I've established that quite a lot in the last episode. But I wanted to talk about Rhinos. Uh this being the teamer cascade with Shard the Sage and Violent Outburst, obviously cascading into uh what's it called? Crashing Footfalls. I was not impressed with the deck at all. Played two leagues. I think it's um, not favored against Hammer Time. I think that it's really awkward to play against Blue Red Merktide, especially when all your answers to Ragavan is two mana. Um I also think that you're you easily flood out. I think that you have no late game so i really hated the deck and i don't know how people still play it really what what do you guys think of the uh team of rhinos deck because i'm just having so many mana problems and late game problems with the deck to be honest
2: i actually played it in a challenge on sunday i didn't play on saturday but i saw that team of rhino won the challenge on saturday so i decided to to play that on sunday and I did. I did okay. I went four and three. I actually went two and zero against Blue Red murktide I don't think I lost the game. Matchup felt pretty decent. And I went two against other decks. And I actually went zero and three against Hammer Time, and that matchup felt bad. I actually lost round one against the eventual winner. And I lost a game where I and Mulligan to five on the play and i drew removal you know i had maybe a bone crusher uh, and a brazen bar and i had a force of vigor out of my sideboard and it just didn't matter i still lost i was quite impressed by ingenious smith that's the new uh, card from dnd it's a one one for a wide and one when it comes into play look at the top four you put an artifact in your hand so i think it's the same ability as the um, glenn the crane the, the one free flying crane I'm and as sure another that,
1: like, only the top three but maybe i'm wrong it feels like it's like militia bugler for artifacts really like
2: well bugler has four cards yeah thing i'm almost definitely sure it's four cards and it has another ability which is whenever you play an artifact for the first time or whenever an artifact comes into play for the first time each turn it gets plus one plus one so that card was was good against me grinding matchups uh once it's you know Bigger than a 2-2, you can't kill it with Bone Crusher anymore. You don't really want to bounce it because then they cast it again and they get another trigger. And there's a decent synergy with Sigarda's 8 because you can go Smith, play an Artifact for 0, you know, Memnite or whatever. And then you can also play equipments at instant speed and grow it on your opponent's turn. So that card that was kind of annoying and then, you know, it grows pretty easily uh, to a 5-5. So you, you can't attack with Rhinos anymore. I've seen a lot of players play two or three. Uh, saw so Canister play a league uh, after the, the the challenge this weekend. He didn't have it in his deck. I think he just said he assumed it was bad, so he he straight up cut it. Uh, I'm not sure if if he gave it a try since, but yeah, I thought Rhino was a a pretty fine deck, honestly, pretty powerful. But it, it's it seemed really bad against Hammer Time, and I don't think you can play a deck that's bad against Hammer Time right now. A deck's just so strong. It's really good against Blue Red. And it's just, you know, pretty busted.
1: Yeah, I I agree with your assessment that hammer time is very busted, and I also agree with the assessment that crashing footfalls or you know cascading into rhinos is not good enough against them. I think it's probably a good point to kind of a a good a good like avenue start talking about what is good against hammer time and ways ways to approach the matchup, because I know that I've been struggling with it up up until up until relatively recently with um with blue red murgite against it and. You know, Crashing Footfalls, probably being one of the most popular Cascade decks, also having a bad matchup. Whereas I think that there, there are, they, these are not, like, great strategies for attacking the deck. It doesn't seem particularly susceptible to, like, one-for-one one, one one removal, and, you know, it's just got so much redundancy, and, like, you know, it's fast, and got some card advantage elements between Lurus and, like, uh, Pure Still Paladin, also in, now Ingenious Smith as well. So it's hard to really kind of, like, grind it out. So the best ways to go to, to attack it, I think, is just to go over the top. And cascading into 2 four is isn't going over the top of this deck. Even going Shardless Agent into Footfalls makes 10 power. That's not even enough to block uh, an 11-11 Memnite. So it's really hard to get a positional advantage against uh, the, the Hammer Time deck when you're playing uh, the crashing Footfalls deck. But a deck like Living End, which is like, I know there's been like kind of pet deck of yours uh, for a while, Gab, seems really well positioned against against Hammer Time and if Hammer Time's not like kind of pushing down decks like Merc, you know Blue Red Mage which it probably will in the long run maybe it's time for Living End to make a comeback or something yeah. like that
2: Yeah absolutely I actually played a league with Living End today I was hoping to get paired against Hammer Time I did I went 2 against Hammer Time you know I had played the matchup before and it was kind of you know when I was I wasn't even expecting hammer time to be super popular. It just happened that you had this decent proactive plan. You know, living in, if if they're on the play, and have a turn free kill, you still have grief, force of negation, subtlety, maybe brazen bar to not die. Living in is really good against them. You can have the problem of not having a, a big enough living in, but you, usually it's okay. And after Sideboard, you you know you had all these breakers and these chewers for chalice of the void. And Voidmere and all these cards, and you know, back when people were playing uh, the food deck still, and it just happened to line up really well in this matchup. So, um, so yeah, I decided to uh to fire a league, and yeah, things, things went well against Hammer Time. They, they can't play Chalice or Void really, so they don't have a ton of hate. I actually played one round against uh someone who had the Soul God Lantern in the main deck, most plays don't, I would say maybe one or out of three or four list is going to have the soul main deck so that kind of got me game one but then i got the two sideboard games The other match it was like fairly fairly easy win i lost i got to it by red black shadow or red black um Lurus. that that matchup up stuff they still play the the free to shadow they have the, the chalices and the mirrors in the sideboard their one drops are super annoying whether it's ragman or chandler and they have the discard spells, they have the rest of the games goes too long. So that matchup is tough. Game one is usually pretty good for you. You really do need to to win game one. And then you need to kind of hope for the best in one of the sideboard games. I, I just lost game one. I was on the draw and um, I would have won if I was on the play. So that and what, what else did I beat? I beat the uh, team of Rhino. I think that matchups pretty decent. I think the four-color Rhino deck is tough. I think the addition of Teferi uh, tips tips the scales, you know, puts it in their favor. But I think it's a straight teamer Rhino version. They have pretty much only four Force negation you need to worry about main deck, and then they get the extra disputes after sideboard, but you have your own cards to fight that. They don't get Veil vale of Summer. And speaking of Veil vale of Summer, I had a last matchup was against Velimachus. That matchup, it looks a little scary, but I think they don't have enough to stop you. They have... Reman in the main deck and then their combos not even uh always super efficient i actually got in a sweet spot where i had waker of waves so their velomachus had minus one minus so and it couldn't flip over time warp it could only flip over saver the moment saver of the moment or whatever it's called that three minute time warp and then obviously they could self flip bolts and whatnot so that, that matchup's pretty close they, they do get veiled after sideboard and they do have access to teferi but I think uh, I've always uh, I think I've won that matchup a few times I've played uh, against it. So yeah, you said think-
1: sorry. The creativity deck is just 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 to 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 stay on that stand there for a little bit. That creativity deck looks like it's one of these decks. It doesn't really have very many good matchups, but it might be pretty well positioned against Hammer Time because it it has that mixture of kind of interaction plus going over the top kind of combo kill at the end. So you know, a good a good deck if you're targeting Hammer Time maybe, but not so good if your opponents are interacting in more in more normal ways. It is pretty
2: streamlined. You do put Bill and in play on turn four pretty consistently, I'm sure. And then you have Bull, Tree, Man, Ren and Six to Ferry. These cards are good. I'm sure you run into some mana issues here or there. But uh, I-, I wonder what the win rate of that deck is. But It's probably not played a ton, and it does seem like it show, show, shows up in top eights in the challenges decent amount of the time. So I'm guessing that deck's decent has... I haven't played with it. I don't know if either of you guys have ever ran a league with it.
0: No, I'm definitely interested in playing it, but I just don't understand really... I guess you have four bolt, four prismatic ending, four red and six. That seems to be the biggest appeal for this deck. But I guess to be fair, you have all the removal for the one drops and you're playing to Fairy Time Raveler. That's probably why this deck is good.
2: Yeah, and your combo is easy to assemble. It's yeah. a, It's basically a one-card combo, because you just fetch for the mine, and then you just need to draw creativity, and you put the dragon to play on turn four. That's super sick when you think about it.
0: Yeah, I think this deck's actually... It seems it's like, yeah, that deck's busted. It seems good against blue, red, and hammer time, right? You have four bolt, four ending, and four run, and six for Ragavan. Then you have four Tef for like Tides, and then you have all that for hammer t- you know that's all great against hammer time.
2: Well the the problem is your your win condition is tap out sorcery speed four four mana. So oh, yeah it's kind of tricky against counter spells. So I think the way you you, you win a lot of games probably just removal into Ren and Six and then they kind of have to do something because you're you're happy to just sit there so if you can like keep threats off the board, drop a red and six, start making land drops, eventually, you know, you'll you'll have too many resources for you to for them to play around your, your combo and whatnot.
1: Yeah, that's 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 I played that matchup a couple of times from the blue red side and also from something something in the in the format before uh, Modern Horizons 2 came out. I played against it a little bit as well. And it's it's pretty good on paper for if you're playing a lot of counter spells and interacting at instant speed. But they do have ways of getting getting ahead. I think that, you know, cards like Unholy Heat do, do make it hard for you to kind of stick the Ren and Six or Teferi time Raveler and have that be the kind of the, have, the, have the, something the game revolves around for a prolonged period of time to let you force through your combo. But uh, yeah, Gab's definitely right that it, the game needs to play out, that you kind of put pressure on them with, you know, Ren or Teferi or something like that. Maybe they got one Jason Ice Sculptor as well. and. Let 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 that be the, the thing that, that allows you to be the sorcery speed tap out combo deck. I've I've also lost a couple of games where they've just gone like fetch up mine, f- fetch up a mine, make a dwarf, fetch up a mine, make a dwarf and put pressure on my planes walkers. I think I was playing Esper Control at the time or something like that. And so you can lose a game like that where they just kinda like start making a few dorks post board.
2: Yeah, I actually love the one game I lost in this matchup. I, I misplayed horrendously. but I ended up dying to as as F1 and they just fetched for one one in upturn, and I could I couldn't I didn't have a block for the one one. You could possibly have seen it coming? <laughs> yeah, I mean I played that that first game so horrendously, but yeah, uh, you know I was uh, uh, I was happy to to play living end in that league. It was cool that I got paired against Hammer Time twice to confirm that it was probably a decent matchup. So, if you're looking for an answer to Hammer Time, I think Living End's really good. It's pretty well-rounded deck. You're gonna, they are probably gonna be flipping against Ragdos, maybe slight underdog, and um, the the blue-red matchups tough, tougher than than black-red. But can you really play blue-red right now when Hammer Time's just so so popular?
1: Well, I, let let me tell you that I broke my 4-1 streak finally this week. I, I managed to 5 over league finally after, after a long time. And uh, I played against Hammer Time twice, and I beat it twice. And I beat it with Vapor Snags and lots of Engineered Explosives. That was my game plan. I have three Engineered Explosives in my sideboard, and I had two Vapor Snags in my 75, so one in the main and one in the side. And I believe that both, both of those guys played a, a key role in me actually getting over the line against them.
2: Nice. Yeah, vapor snake makes a ton of sense. People have been playing seal of removal in these Grixis decks too. That that card is is kind of nice. Did you feel like it, it was actually even or slightly favored for blue red was these changes, or mm. do you get a little lucky? Remember,
1: I, I'm I'm fairly I'm, I'm fairly sure that I, I would have got a little bit for a little bit lucky, but um at the same time I definitely got a good interaction when I only had one mana up, and they had the kind of Hammer. They had the. They had the. The, the saga that, that makes a hammer that forces you to, you know, cast your burn spell. And then they had the hammer in hand. They had that kind of set up against me. But my my setup, my 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 car was just a vapor snag, and so they actually got gotten, which was uh, you really nice in that spot where they're kind of you know, they felt like they're going to cheese me, but the, I, I had the interaction. Whereas if maybe I had two mana up, they think that like you know maybe I have two bolts or something like that, or I have brazen borrow. Which is like you know a slightly more standard card, so I got a little bit of kind of like unknown information advantage there, and I, I do like explosives as a way of just clearing up a lot of problematic permanents, like you know, getting rid of like an Esper Sentinel, like maybe a hammer, and and a Cigarder's aid, because the the key card is obviously Cigarder's aid in all in all situations. Really, you can kind of keep the board clear or interact with Pure Seal Paladin, because at least it only equips at sorcery speed. But, you know, when they have six Cigar they Blue Red just doesn't have a good answer to that card once it's in play. And so Explosives are really, really key in that spot. Uh, again, I was trying try the strategies that I was playing the other week where I was just boarding out a lot of my one drops. I was just cutting all my ragabans and cutting, did I cut Dragon race Channel? I think I had a like one Dragon race Channel. and was just happily kind of like, not, not having to alter my game plan and just like put out an engineer Explosives on one on turn one. And just leave their mana up for the rest of the time and have them kind of like slow have to stunt their development essentially. And then later on you can just, you know, E for zero and clear up a bunch of Memnites and Ornithopters and, and construct tokens as well. So yeah, I, I think that like you could have good tools in that matchup when you're just going, you know, interaction, 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 sweepers, and then Merc Tide, and then not worrying about like you know, channeler and ragafan kind of trying to small ball them out. So you can you can fix it, I think, but I don't think you can really turn into something that's like a massively favorable matchup without going too far out of your way that you cost yourself a, everywhere else
0: the problem i've been having playing against hammer time is not really killing their things it's dealing with the lurus at the end of the road you know a big problem is that they play these cards that two for one either stoneforge mystic or the uh, new card that you were talking about gab you know they two for one two for one two for one you sweep or whatever and then they lure us and still have cards in hand um i feel like Every time now against Hammer, you know everything costs one or two mana. They're casting like five spells by turn three. Um, that so I've just really struggled in beating it. I have put more ease in my sideboard. Um, I've even used Force of Vigor to kill Urza Saga plus a, a card, and I've still struggled because of the Lurus. So I've just completely struggled with that matchup, and I want to the deck is insane. Um, I, I do think cards like
1: your know, Wear Tear or or force of vigor are pretty good, are Pretty good cards against them. I don't think trading one for one is very good, but trading two for one is okay. But like you said, so many, so many of their cards are two for ones themselves that you're almost like trading two for one to just catch up or keep up. I felt like you need to have something that goes over the top at the same time as you trading favorably with them, or at least trading trading for parity with them. So what your force of vigoring, presumably out of this crashing footballs deck.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say I was wondering if maybe blue red merc tide should splash for like wear tear, you know, with ragavan in the deck. It's not hard to get white. I guess you're cutting ragavans in the sideboard, but I'm just thinking, how do you improve the matchup? Along, because the problem for me is not like they have so many different options in that. You know, they can flood the board, and then they can lure us. You know, they can just Ursas Saga get two dudes like that. You have to answer those with EE probably. You know, I feel like um, they, you know, there's not really one card that solves solves the matchup. You know, I feel like you have to draw multiple sideboard cards to beat them on average, right? Or am I wrong?
1: It definitely feels like that from from my experience. But if you have enough sideboard cards, like that's that's not that's not impossible to do. I, I, I've also I've also had a lot of success bringing in Blood Moon against them. I Think pretty important. Uh, in the post-board games it just, you know, they're either kind of like land light and, you know, they have like a lot of, they have a lot of the kind of Horizon Canopy lands and Ink Moth Nexus and stuff like that, and you can, you can color screw them, but also just having something that just shuts down saga in the long game. It means that they can't like draw that kind of, you know, mid-game saga that really just puts a lot of, puts those kind of like two bodies and another, and, and the threat of another hammer into play is just, sometimes too much to, too much to handle if you're just trying to like play a straight up game against and so you do need to chase yeah I, I definitely agree with you like you need to draw multiple multiple sideboard cards and have things go kind of right so it's hard for me to say that it's a favorable match you can t- make it into a, a, a genuinely favorable matchup
2: we bring bringing both both blood moons on the play and on the draw yeah definitely yeah yeah another thing people have been doing is just putting card call against command in their deck whether it's Ragdos. That's the matchup I played only once when I played Ragdus in the challenge. I actually lost to Hammer Time despite... I think I had four coligans Command in my 75. And I like I drew decently, not great. And I expected it to be like pretty easy matchup because I just had push, bolt, or maybe not push, but bolt on Holy Heat, coligans Command. And it was still like kind of toughish. but uh, I believe Ragdus is, is favored in this matchup, so that's an answer. People have also been playing Grixis. I think it was maybe... Jerry T, who kind of rekindled uh, the spark, or whatever you want to say, he, he posted a, a Grixis list and people started playing a Grix, Grixis a bit more. And that deck's probably pretty decent. You get, uh, you know, maybe Seal of Removal to go with Loros. You get Colgan's Command, the cheap removal. You can just play Snapcaster. Um, you know, that maybe, maybe that, that's a, a decent option as well. Even though in the last modern prelim it was hammer time at 4-0 and a bunch of grixis deck at free one so it seems like the hammer time player didn't, didn't manage to beat uh, at least
1: one of these grixis decks i've not had a chance to play any with that uh that, that jerry thompson deck but it does look good on paper against hammer time specifically for me i i also wonder if it's it's good against blue red moktide in a lot of respect because it has a, a some answers to Moktai Regent. It has like a terminate in the main. Some drowned block. Drowned block's not very good against Murktide Regent, but you know, in, in later, later in the game, it can be. And then it has some hand disruption as well to get through. But it, if you if you remove Moktai from the equation, it should it should have a pretty favorable matchup overall against against blue red um, Murktide. because you just a lot of removal spells uh, and four snapcaster mages, bunch of call against commands. So you get that kind of, you know, you have more two-for-ones than they have two-for-ones. And so, you know, it, it kind of winds up in your favor in the long run, I think. You know, plus Lurus, obviously. So it, it's definitely an interesting deck, and I've not had a chance to play with it yet. So um, I'm hoping to fire a league up with it at some point in time.
2: Drawn Underlock's kind of nasty. I've yeah. um, I've been annoyed by that card when I was playing the Cascade decks. Just two mana spell against the Cascade spells.
1: Yeah, that, that, was that card is s- awesome.
0: I was going to say, looking at this Joey Thompson list, it's kind of everything that I mentioned last week that I hate playing against. They've got Croxa there, they've got Luris, and you've got Drown in the Lock in this Joey Thompson Grixis deck. I mean, that's exactly what I don't want to see out of my opponent's deck, right? Drown in the Lock kills Merktide. Crox is that extra threat that's really hard to deal with. And then you've got Luris as well, Seal of Removal. You said that's good against um, Hammer Time. I feel like this deck is specifically tuned to beat Hammer and blue red murktide. It, this looks sick.
2: And, and it has game against the Cascade decks as well. I think.
0: Yeah, yeah, exa- exactly. I think this is like probably should be playing this deck. This see, look, looks like perfect clickbait. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Grixis control everything that you ever want. Um, and probably lose. I wonder if if Burn at some point makes a
2: comeback. If if oh if gosh. people are playing Grixis, you get to play Burn again, right? Just sure, dude. Start the game at. Twelve or whatever, just have to, to cast four bolts
0: and you're dead. That's true. That's what I wonder. You know, like with tide and Hammer Time at the top, I feel like it's just gonna slowly change. Everyone right now, is, we're just talking about decks that are beating both, right? You know, Living End's gonna come back, and then and then one. I feel like the metagame is gonna completely change by next week. Is how I'm feeling.
2: I wonder if Hammer Time actually loses. Maybe Hammer Time can start playing more of the Ingenious Smith. That card seems seems good in these grindy matchups, you know, whether it's against explosives or removal. Maybe there's another kind of two-for-one card Hammer Time can play that that helps in these grindy matchups. I saw I had my opening today. I had a bunch of pathways, and I was curious. I never saw another another card, a card from another color, but it had blue-white pathways, and Wide like Black Pathways, I was wondering what that was about, because people...
1: I would guess it's just for, like, Prismatic Ending, or... EE, yeah. Or engineered Explosives. Uh, you
2: think they have their Oni's in Hammer Time? Yeah, maybe Ending makes sense, but then you're already kind of... You were saying Blood Moon, you're bringing Blood Moon, assuming that's against the version that plays a lot of planes. so it's kind of scary people are bringing Blood Moon against you to have Pathways to mess around.
1: I don't think it's a choice that I would, I would make if I was playing Hammer Time, but I... I... I can't think of another reason why your your opponent would have been doing that.
0: Yeah, I don't know either. So Speaking of uh, blue, though, you know the dem demilish, The new uh, yeah. quad blue card? Have any of you guys experimented with that?
2: I haven't played a ton. I've actually played mostly limited this week. So oh, I've, nice. I've not. I know Spike did. I know a few people have. I already was decent, not broken.
0: Yeah, I've played against it twice, and I'm—I wasn't—I re- was like impressed with how much better it was than I thought it would be. Um, it, in practice, like I didn't realize how easy it is to fill up your graveyard if you're playing cards like Gutshot and Lava Dart. Uh, my opponent managed to get a turn. Was it turn turn two, Demilish against me, which was pretty good. But what I didn't realize was it's not Dreadhorde Arcanist. It's Like, you may cast it as in you may pay the mana to cast it. So that, to me, makes the card pretty bad in a sense that my opponent got no value both times when they cast it from the graveyard because they were tapped out when they, like, delved it. Because they, like, dumped and then delved. So then not only was their graveyard empty, but they were tapped out even if there was a card there. So that was kind of like disappointing in in terms of the card, but it makes sense right because it'd be actually kind of broken if it if it was like that as well as i did i say i thought it was enter the battlefield not just attack it's not enters the battlefield it's only attack so it's a four three that you have to either like mill and cast a load of spells and then delve out or you have to play it and then attack uh, to me i wasn't too too impressed to be honest
1: I mean, it's it strikes me as a card that's just a nice compliment in a sort of arclight phoenix shell you know, it gives you a bit of redundancy on cards like Arclight Phoenix, so like you're not just kind of spinning your wheels enti- entirely trying to find Phoenix and put him in the graveyard. At least you have, like, you know, Phoenix is five through eight. And, you know, it, and it also looks a little bit like Hollow One on paper as well. So I think it's, like, a fine card for modern one, like but it's by, by no means, like, overwhelmingly powerful or, or unreasonable. Yeah, it's, yeah. Like I said, it's not just, like, coming into play and casting a whole bunch of free spells again, like, after... You spend a bunch of cast a bunch of free spells to put into play for zero mana. But it's one of yeah. those cards that like looks really exciting when it goes off as well. Where, like it makes you think that it's like just un- otherworldly powerful, but really, but really like this is just like a, those are like an outlier cases where you maybe had like two or three copies or you know, you, you spam them early because you drew two mana morphos. But really, it's just a perfectly fine card. It also just dies the lightning bolt as well, which you know puts it in a pretty safe space to 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 exist in the format like modern.
0: Yeah, I think the problem with this like Arclight Phoenix deck that Spike is Brewed is that um, no faithless looting makes it way more. Uh, there's way more variance, in my opinion. I feel like your draws are way more clunky. You're leaning heavily on Thought Scour. Um, and also, like a lot of your discard spells are two mana to cast. Charter Course, Faithless Salvaging the new card. So I think it's okay. I don't think it'll ever be higher than tier two. You need good one mana cantrips, and there just aren't great one mana cantrips to support. Um, dumping phoenixes right now, and that's why I'm not too confident in the deck. But overall, though, Demilish it, it it seemed okay. You know, it seemed it does it it does fit in the deck, and it does do what you want to do. Right? It's it's a free it's a free creature to come back that you can mill. You know, you can. Um, it, your Thought don't have just four hits anymore; they have eight. So that that was a that was pretty decent out of the phoenix deck. So I, I like it. I think it's it's think it's okay. One mana cantrip, and this becomes a deck.
1: So so far, we've seen two cards from uh, the Magic: The Dungeons and Dragons set that have made an impact in modern. It's Ingenious Smith and and Demi Lich. Uh, we've also seen uh, we'll see in the top eight of the challenge. Uh, Dom Harvey playing Jeskai Wizard with four portable hole, which is the new uh, one mana removal spell. It's like a one white artifact that exiles a a permanent with mana cost two or less. And it's a, it's a a really nice kind of like one-mana one, one mana interactive spell to fit into a, 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 an, Urza, an Urza, Urza shell. And this deck's pretty sweet as well on, on paper. So it's actually like four Urza, four were of Invention, then like a toolbox package that includes um, the sort of the Meek and thoughts of Foundry combo. It's another way of going over the top of Hammer Time. Uh, it's also also a pretty solid Urza saga deck. Uh, so it's pretty, pretty sweet. I, I really like the kind of... I like the availability of good tools here. I like, I like the Soul Guide Land in the main. I like access to Pithing Needle and like spell uh, Spellbomb as well. And then you know, obviously, the War of Invention targets. But uh, coupling that with like some blue interaction and stuff in the sideboard is really nice. Like Dom has like three counter spells in the side, a uh, one Supreme Verdict main, one Supreme Verdict side, some Mystical Disputes. So you can kind of transform into a pretty reasonable iteration of a control deck post board when you don't really want to be fumbling around with all the kind of uh small artifacts and word of invention one one notable omission though from this deck is like there's no emery and on paper i can't quite wrap my head around why that would be i'm sure you know if we asked Don directly he would probably have a good answer but uh, you guys have any any speculation to why no emery in a deck like this is just its vulnerability to kind of commonly played removal spells and not wanting to expose yourself like just not wanting to even engage in a tr- a, a trade a one-for-one trade like that
2: honestly I have no idea that card seems so powerful so scary it's not a lot of expensive either it's it's pretty fast and he's even playing thought sword combo so you get to, to mill your sword gets extra value that way I don't really understand maybe you just forgot he was like sweet I get to fit all these new cards in my deck that was easy have you ever done that in deck building you're like wow I, I was able to fit every card or when you look at a deck list you're like how did they fit all these cards that I'm never able to fit in my deck? And you're like, oh, they're just not playing X card. That's just so good that uh, it happened to me. Um, I think it was in a arena championship. I got paired against a red-green, no, a standard red-green in innkeeper deck. And I was like, how are they playing all these cards? And then they straight up did not have Innkeeper in their deck. Ugh. They were playing Bone Crusher Giant and Love Struck Beast and just knowing keepers, I was like, all oh, right, interesting. I did, that is, I did, uh, I did not the choice
1: I would ever make. I did not lose that match. I would not be surprised. I haven't made that mistake since they printed Yorion. I, I I used to have this thing where like, I would just start, when I would be brewing up decks, this is after they printed Yorion. I would just start jamming cards I'd be like, man, it's really hard to make cards to get down to 60. Like, or would it be easier for me to add 14 more cards and go up to 80?
2: Dude, in the last weekend, League Weekend, two of my opponents didn't have their Planeswalkers in game one. Huey didn't have Giganta. You just, you know, when you export the decklist and stuff, I guess you, you mess up sometimes. And then Juza didn't have Lurus in in Historic. He just forgot to put it as his companion. They had it, obviously, for the sideboard games. I actually did not notice against Huey, but I definitely noticed against Juza. I was like, man, well, I'm I this.
1: When you got paired against him and they registered, it was just a 15-card sideboard, not a 14-card sideboard, and a companion. Yeah. Incredible.
2: Or, no, yeah, they just had, they had the companion in the list, they had access, it. So they just didn't have it set as their companion. And it's not like on Magic Online <laughs> where you just have it in your sideboard and you have to click it at the beginning of the game. You actually have to, like, put in a little companion box on, on yeah, Arena. That's,
1: that's right. It's got the little slot in your sideboard where it's, like, you know, companion, then it just changes all your card availability, the legalities, or whatever appropriately yeah i can imagine making that mistake pretty easily
0: well someone in the twitch chat's claiming that he explains why in his article but we've been dono walled so we'll never know All right, I, refuse pay,
1: I refuse to pay the star City games premium until they sponsor me so i can read don's responses
0: <laughs> interesting well, I'm staying loyal to Card Market, the best place online to buy Magic the Gathering singles accessories and anything card game related. Speaking of Emery, how much is Emery on Card Market? As a million word, dollars, I'm sure. Probably like
2: five <laughs> bucks. Why is, it, is it the Modern Horizon card?
1: No, it's, it's from it's from obviously it's from Eldrain, the no. most busted set of all time. Only right,
0: like, a Euro? Can pick it up for right now. It's a regular rare. Okay, anyways. Um I think that's probably it for modern. You know, we had a lot of interesting deck lists this week, and also we got to kind of test more like the top decks right now. It's going to be interesting to see what people's life on the line decks are. But you guys mentioned you want to talk a bit about standard, a bit about limited. Uh, dive into this Dungeons and Dragons set more. So, why don't you take it away?
1: Yeah, I've been drafting a bunch. It's just what my usual routine when the new set comes out. I, you know, I've accumulated some gold in arena. I kind of want to, you want know, to burn it off and. You know, get some new cards while while I'm at it, and so I I generally draft the first couple of weeks. And this D&D set has scratched my itch for limited that I haven't that I that I haven't been uh, feeding. I haven't been feeding that side of my kind of magic playing uh, enjoyment in a while, and so yeah, this new set's come out. It's pretty straightforward limited set, really. There's kind of not much going on. There's not a huge amount of color fixing or kind of deep strategic kind of things going on. It's just pretty nuts and bolts magic creatures combat and then uh you know this kind of like flavorful kind of environment of like you know adventuring in the dungeons and dice rolling which ultimately don't amount to a huge amount in terms of gameplay that's like extra you know particularly uh swinging or anything like that I i think that it's actually kind of nice flavorful way of them introducing just a little bit of like you know power variability and like basic commons like the dice rolling stuff means that like It's a difference between kind of scry one and scry two on like a card that might have an ETB ability. And venturing in the dungeon is actually a really nice way of taking taking a card that's like bulk standard in magic. Like every magic set has a card that's like deal some amount of damage to a creature scry one gain a life deal two damage to the opponent or whatever. And they just pick an effect essentially a little like flavorful effect or kind of bonus effect at random. For, for every different set but in this this they just say venture into the dungeon and you get to pick whichever customizable option that you want and the more and more of these effects that you have you get slightly bigger and bigger effects or or different ones so i've had it really kind of like a somewhat subtle but compelling way of kind of uh contributing to the, the game of limited and it definitely doesn't feel particularly heavy-handed to me so i've been enjoying drafting it don't i don't think it's going to be the set that i play like heaps and heaps of but at the same time, I've really enjoyed kind of just like, you know, stepping away from kind of playing Constructive Magic and, you know, studying Decklist and this and that and, you know, getting down and just kind of putting creatures in the combat and and having them interact. You've been drafting as well, Gab. Like, what colors have you enjoyed? Yeah, I've been drafting.
2: I haven't drafted a standard set in super long, actually. I was always feeling a little guilty. Or I guess I wasn't feeling guilty because I was not drafting, but... You know, was was MPL being pretty much standard in Zurich the entire year. I just wanted to make sure that when I played arena, I got as much, uh, you know, as many games of constructed as possible. And then when I was playing Magic Online, I, you know, I know, I know a lot of my viewers like like modern, so there's was not a ton of time for limited, old queue here and there. And I've I've been really enjoying it. I think drafting a new standard set or any new set. For the first time, you know your first five, ten, twenty drafts. It's always so much fun, even if the set is bad. But they don't really make bad limit sets these days anymore. And yeah, I've liked. I um, haven't mind the the dice the dice rolling. You know, I've definitely lost a game or two to natural twenties, but um, I've I've enjoyed exploring the the formats, figuring out the colors. I'm not sure which colors are best. I think the I've heard maybe red, red, green, red, black is pretty good. But it it doesn't really matter, honestly, because it, it just balances itself. And I've, I've never liked to force. I don't think the colors, they don't seem, it doesn't seem like there's a big enough disparity so far to me to make you force a, col- a color over another, especially with people claiming that you know red is the best or red lights the best. and you know, that's going to be overdrafted and you might actually get punished. So I've always like just enjoyed uh, just drafting the hard way as Beness would say, just, you know, pick pick a good card and go from there. And
1: yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. I, probably my third draft, you know, I had adult gold dragon sitting in the sideboard. I, I first picked adult gold dragon. I was green, black and I felt very, very, very like, you know, pleased with my, my, my level of discipline. And then I went like 2-3 and I was just really annoyed <laughs> why wasn't i attacking with that old gold dragon yeah, yeah I, I agree with you though. i think that like probably the, the general consensus seems to be that like red black maybe red green are the two other couple of best archetypes but i haven't felt particularly disadvantaged if i was in you know blue white or anything like that
2: it's also hard to say what uh, what it would be like if it wasn't best of one because the queues were playing the the ones where you rank up the the rank queues are best of one was a hand smoother
1: yeah that's so, a really important point that we were kind of I, i'm glad you brought that up actually
2: so so who knows maybe maybe scholar combos are advantage you know maybe maybe they're they're two the two drops wouldn't be as as efficient you know curving out you definitely lose a lot of games if you're on the draw and you, you start playing on turn four, you know, they can go turn two, turn three, turn four creatures, and it's hard for you to come back, and they're going to do that more often with the hand there. so... Yeah,
1: I've certainly... Even even with the hand smoother, though, I found that it's kind of important to just have even 18 lands in my deck in this format. I just haven't... Just stumbling, even up until the fifth land drop has been really quite quite punishing. And there's no mana fixing at all, and lots of double mana requirements, so, you know, you kind of need the extra extra colored source to get your splits right yeah it's i I definitely i definitely miss sideboarding limited i think sideboarding limited might be my my single favorite micro action in in magic really particularly a sealed deck like just that that thumbing through your whole pool to try and find something is just been an absolute pleasure and i just I, i miss miss not doing it on on arena
2: I agree, especially sucks in the draft because there's cards like plummet that you basically call main deck and there's there's a lot that's lost in the draft because you're playing these best of one rank queues and you you never get to sideboard. There's a lull fixing there's evolving wilds that's common, but it is it is pretty common not to see any when you need them. I agree with 18 lands. I think I've been playing mostly 18 lands, maybe close to, you know, 50% 18 lands, 50% 17 lands and um yeah i've uh, i've enjoyed the format there's the the dungeons i think it's maybe a bit um a bit of a shame that the one dungeon is much better than the other two it's the mind the kind of middle one the one that starts with cry because it's pretty straightforward it has like the best first effect most of the times. Cry one's usually better than you know, you gain a life, or I think the other one is your opponent loses a life because usually when you, you venture into the dungeon, it's still early in the game, so that's pretty valuable. Um, the other one, I'm not even sure I've ever ventured in, in either of the other ones yet, they do have their use occasionally. But, uh, you know, obviously, if you're open in Z1, well, okay, you're going to deal one damage. Or maybe if you have the four or five down taps when you gain a life or some live game trigger, you're going to gain a life sometimes. So what, what do you yeah, think I about th- it? Think it's a good thing or bad thing that they're just, that one's just so so much better, uh, I think it's you a know, 90% of, a, of the time?
1: It's a little bit of a bummer that, that one of them is so much better, disproportionately better. I have actually, like, I've completed all of them, but I, that's because I had, had a draft where I really went out of my way to try and just go all in on that sort of stuff and it's not something i I think is worth doing which is almost which is somewhat of a shame i I think that one of the ways to maybe maybe have like shifted that a little bit or shifted shifted the 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 amount of times you would go into the scry one dungeon is to even just remove the scry option from the from the very long dungeon and just kind of you know rank up maybe just skip that step entirely make you like because there's, there's one dungeon that's like step one, gain a life, step two, scry one. And I, I would really like to see that just be like step one, gain a life, step two, kind of like do something, make some slightly more powerful decision, like just like level up a bit more. But yeah, I guess like scry one is the kind of default action that you want, though, on on a lot of these cards that would say venture anyway. So it makes sense that you're, you know, that's the one you choose more often. And the two of annihilation, so the lose life one, is like something that I've only ever seen people pick when they're just snowballing, crushing me anyway. Yeah, it's it's probably a little bit of a a a, waste, a wasted opportunity to have the, that lack of variety. But at the same time, I've in, I've appreciated the kind of like somewhat kind of like interesting gameplay on the ones where I ventured a long way into the the long dungeon. Though having the kind of like target creature can't attack next until your next turn option come up was like I felt like pretty cool that that was like coming up and being relevant in like a, a damage race or whatnot.
2: Yeah. What about this set compared to the previous ones? Because I've actually heard, I've I've really enjoyed it. I always enjoy new format. I mean, I'm I'm one of the few persons who enjoyed um Ixaland, the original XLand was when it was, uh, you know, just mono and I thought that format was really fun and everyone didn't, just hated it. Did you
1: win a mox in that format, though?
2: I did, but I was drafting the format a lot. I was drafting these these days where kind of where the sewer comes from, these these bad, these train like white like drafts when you didn't get the good VAM deck and you ended up having a, a ragtag team of you know d- different creature types. But uh I heard from you know people like Benes and Javier and people who draft a lot, who love drafting, that this set's actually a bit worse than some of the other sets. I, I do like the fact that it's no guilds you know you can draft any of the 10 color combinations and um for those who haven't drafted at all it's you're usually playing two color deck you can splash because you got evolving walls and the treasure and there's a few cards a few rares that are worth splashing i think i've splashed twice so far once it was for the um, drizznet or whatever it's called a white green free free double strike that gives you a four one trample token and has another ability another time it was for that black green rare that gives you skeleton at the end of turn if your creatures died. I don't remember kind of like two bomb-ish
1: rares. Yeah. I, I've I've splashed once or twice. Uh, my splash decks have definitely been like red or black based though. Those are the two colors that do the most treasure making. I think they're like uh, what is the co- is it like grinning ogre or greedy you know or something is I think it's grinning ogre that's like it's the it's the hill giant that when it attacks you make a treasure or you two treasures or three treasures. Depending yeah, all that card's really good.
2: Yeah.
1: That card's really important in uh, a lot of a lot of decks, actually. It's, it's yes, one it's of the best red yeah. commons, I think. It's, uh, that, that's quite pivotal to helping you splash. The, the other one is uh, the black card that's like the one three for two that when it deals damage to them, you make a treasure as well. That's like pretty important for ramping up into powerful effects later on. It's just a pretty straightforward limited set, honestly, like get, getting on board matters, creature size matters. Yeah. And you know, casting your casting a six drops, five and six drops ahead of curve really puts you in a puts you in a, a solid place. Yeah. But, but like, what what about like um, you haven't you obviously haven't played any standard because you're, why on earth would you play the exact same standard format for like eighteen months straight and then play it for fun in in, your, in the meantime? But what about standard the standard twenty twenty two queues? So the kind of like pre rotated standard people playing? Have you played any of that?
2: No, I haven't played any of that at all. It sounds like people have been loving it, been playing a ton of it. It's, I believe, only best of one. And they had to, or they had to. They decided to ban a card because it was leading to poor gameplay experience. Uh, Pat, you can talk to us about it. But um, yeah, it's standard 2022. I wonder, is that the standard that's going to be the format for Worlds in October? Is, right. is Worlds actually yeah. the the, the post rotation format? Or is uh, that still I not I absolutely
1: the case? hope so. Can you imagine if it's just the exact same format again?
2: Yeah, well, you know, the, the people qualified for the gauntlet, they have to play the current standard and current historic. So, um, I don't know. I kind of feel like it's probably still fun to see if the new set can have an, an impact in that drain standard. And,. Um,
1: I don't know if, if I never see a burn crush giant or, or a love Strike beast again. I'll be, I'll be happy. It's just so much. Uh, that Eldraine is one of the most powerful things I've ever seen in, in all of Magic. And yeah, they've banned like ten cards, and there's still like this is like it's still like far and away the most powerful things you can be doing. Yeah. Even when even the bottom after you wipe out the top ten cards in the set, it's still the best. It's still got the best cards. They're really it's. It's okay that that's, that threat set exists, but it's not okay that we, you're still being forced to play it for higher stakes or it's the only thing available. I think that one of the reasons people are just loving 2022 standard is because it's it's new, and arena doesn't have a huge number of options available. So you know people will grab it what they can. that's like novel and exciting. Yeah, banning and in in that format though is kind of pretty funny though. So. For those of you who don't know, I think there's a, a white artifact called like Book of Eternal Life, I believe, which has some number, some amount of rules text on it. But what one ability is you pay three white and you sacrifice it and put a a counter on an angel creature you control. And as long as you control that creature with the counter on it, uh, you can't lose the game and your opponent can't win the game. So it basically makes your, your angel into platinum angel. But if you animate Faceless Haven, which has all creature types then you can make that into the Angel, and then you can never lose the game, and you just don't have to activate Faithful Haven anymore. So you basically can't lose, and it's it was banned not because it's too good, because it's like a six or seven mana uh, a combo, but just because it's just really frustrating to play against in a best-of-one format where you might not have, you know, access to a field of rune or something like that. So it's the first time like, we've seen them, like, really kind of go out of the way to balance a format that doesn't exist anywhere else for reasons of like pure like this is just an improvement of our kind of like mobile game experience so it sets an interesting kind of precedent and tone for you know design of magic and kind of you know curation of magic formats going forward but at the same time unless they make the decision to rotate standard ahead of time which it doesn't look like they're going to do at this point it's going to be um not a particularly meaningful benefit outside of people just you know playing that best of one queue on arena
2: yeah it makes sense people are just they're done they're done with that standard and it's it's great right you get to play a new format kind of brand new there's like hype around it online and uh it's also going to be relevant down the road so you don't feel like you know it's just many good reasons to to play to play this format. and as you said, you know his, his historic is is not good. I don't think people are really liking historic standard. We've talked about it. so makes sense. I uh, you know I've been entering limited and modern, but I, I do feel like I you know I will uh, read and and my teammates a little help. so I might actually dabble into uh, the the current standard. Even though, who knows? They still have. Can they still change the format? What is it? Mid July, the first they can gauntlet. Can change
1: whatever they want. Whatever I think
2: the want. I think the first gauntlet is actually early August. The not the the MPL one, but the challenger one is the first one. I think that's early August. The 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 MPL gauntlet is early September. Who knows? Maybe maybe we'll get standard twenty twenty two for MPL gauntlets. That would be kind of hype.
1: Honestly, nothing nothing would shock me at this point.
2: But they might want to save it for Worlds if Worlds. I believe worlds will be standard twenty twenty-two, right? Because
1: I it's was think October it. it makes sense that it would be it's like a whole new set. But I think there's a I new set there's in there's
2: September, right?
1: Yeah, that sounds about right. And, it,
2: and it'll be illegal. So maybe they don't want they want to save the the new standard for worlds, even though I think it's like a month after the, the set comes out, and you know in one month, you know, what a lot happens and a lot gets solved. We'll see, I guess. What about yeah. you, Harry? Have you been like on the
0: arena grind at all or just farming the modern <laughs> content? Oh, I've literally haven't played standard in since since Gruel was good. Since Gruel was good. Oh no, since Reed was on the podcast and I played uh, Naya. Did, that was did, when the last time I played Standard. Did, did you play Limited? You said you were playing April's this weekend. No, no, so My friend from uni doesn't have any like decks, so we can only play limited at like events. So I'm meeting him in London for a pre release just randomly. Um, no, not a big limited player. The way I look at it is if I'm playing Magic, (laughs) I could be working, and if I'm working or like streaming, then I should be playing Modern. So I never play anything else really. Um,
1: this is also like a great time for you to be like. For, mo- for people who are doing mate, magic online content, like Modern Horizons is so popular and has put so much more excitement into their format. They're yeah, exactly. It's really time to be doing that.
0: It's also why I don't play Challenges either. You know, people say, why don't you play Challenges? Why don't you play Prelims? Well, they take two, three times longer than Leagues. If I'm playing Leagues, I'm making YouTube videos they are easier to stream. I have no real motivation to play competitive events. I have no real motivation to play Arena, play Draft, play Limited. It's all Modern Focus. That's just why I kind of just keep all mags in one basket really work work yeah there's
2: been there's been a decision too that people you know one of these decisions you're not sure why they they do that it's just best of one right for that standard 2022 and people have been complaining about that and why do why do they do that why do they not let us play whatever we want to play do they really have to consolidate format so that more people play is is best of one I, i wish i mean it's Best of one must be huge, right? For them to over and over prioritize best of one in spots where it feel like they shouldn't.
1: It almost has to be surely. It also could just be that they just want to drive kind of sale of the new set in the the most, in the cheapest, fastest way possible in a lot of respects. And like standard 2022 is like more likely to have, best of one is more likely to have the cards from the new set be influential, I, I, I don't know. It feels to me like they just kind of like, eh, hey, just throw the option out there and just keep it keep it simple. Don't make it overly complicated. It's probably the it's probably not a particularly malicious or sinister uh, reason why. I think it's just you. you, you don't think it's simplicity. like simplicity. You don't
2: think it's a, a like money reason where they think they just make more money that way. I don't know. I hope I hope it's not. I hope I feel like it's mistake They've been. I saw Fred about it, you might have seen it. it got a lot of like likes and retweets and whatnot about just gaming in general and how nowadays they don't make try to make good games and then try to monetize it, they think about the monetize, monetization first.
1: It's like the opposite and, of this podcast. Sorry? It's like the opposite what? of this podcast. <laughs> we try to make good content and then monetize it. Yeah. Rather than <laughs> trying to monetize it and yeah. make good content. No, it's it's so, the opposite of Harry Stream.
0: Oh my gosh. <laughs> so. okay.
1: Sorry, I'm I'm derailing for no reason. No, I I did read that thread as well where there's kind of like the the, the pressures of the pressures of designing around monetization rather than monetizing around design. I, it's just you're trying you're making a good game and having that bit of thing that sells rather than finding the best way to sell things to people in the most in the quickest fashion. Is, yeah, it's, it's, it's even r- worse
0: than that. It's it's make game now, half do it, and then sell the rest of the game as DLC later. That's a lot of what the games are nowadays. Or do now, fix later. You know, releases an open beta, fix later. You know, magic release now, ban later if it's a problem. That's what the play team seems to be doing.
1: Yeah, that yeah yeah, you know, that's very spot on piece of analysis. I mean, it's been a long time since I really bought like a triple A game. But long gone are the times when you would just buy something off the shelf at, at like, you know, whatever your local video game store is or electronic game store. And it'd just be that'd be the only thing that you interact with around that product. I mean, yeah, it's just so long, so long ago since I bought something that happened. Even like even like Switch games and stuff like that, like Breath of the Wild, like it's pretty standalone. But then there was just DLC. and I was like, maybe I should buy that. There's more content coming out for it. And that's probably like the least, nef- Nintendo might be like the least nefarious company in that respect, that, from terms of kind of like half, half-heartedly releasing things or like, you know, stringing, stringing their customers along in that respect.
2: What's a AAA game for someone like me who's just knows
1: nothing? AAA is like the big studio games. So like, you know, someone where there's like a heap amount of kind of, you know, mainstream media promotion and from like a big studio with a lot of financial backing behind it so like guys, you know you saw like cyberpunk 2027 or something or 2077 or whatever it was like you, there was ads for that for like a year or something before it came out these are like triple a games like call of duty and stuff like that
0: or think of like the movie star wars for example think of that just in replace video games with it right triple yeah. a is just your best games they're like the biggest spenders yeah, or sorry, the biggest amount of money spent in production. But don't even know how we got down this rabbit hole. Um, I think this actually looks like a lot of fun. You know, I I still kind of find it crazy how Watsy continue to find new mechanics. One thing that I do, you know, I feel like there hasn't been a recycled mechanics set recently, right? Or at least like, I feel like every set is trying to one up the previous set. In terms of mechanics and that's why i think you're coming you know we're seeing quite broke broken cards
1: well i think they've started shifting their their recycle mechanics into the kind of modern horizons modern masters kind of sets rather than trying to do time spiral or whatnot is not bad was, for standard it's bad for standard maybe or maybe in some respect i don't know because I, I, I feel like I,
0: I feel like if you're you know I don't know. I feel like there are very fair previous mechanics that they could recycle that wouldn't cause huge problems in both eternal formats and standard. Well, I mean,
1: like the, yeah, Ikoria, for example, had cycling in it. That's a recycled mechanic. But I haven't seen them kind of go back to a not particularly evergreen mechanic recently. I think you're right in that respect.
0: Like, for example, even just the spell lands insanely affected every format. You know, so. That's just kind of my opinion i know i'm deviating quite heavily off the main topic here but that, that was kind of just my opinion on it
1: i don't know where else to go with this it's also i'm very tired can we wrap up soon all right
2: right, let's. Wrap yeah up. i'm
1: insanely tired too <laughs> all
2: right let's, let's wrap it up
0: okay well anyways i think that kind of wraps up that we have run out of content for the day um, and I'm insanely tired, so why don't we start wrapping up Towards the end of every episode, though Obviously we have life on the line For those new listening and don't know what life on the line is it's, it's, It is It is a theoretical tournament tomorrow If you win the event, you live If you lose, you die You got to bring a decklist from every format that we talked about today So I guess it's just modern, maybe You can do standard if you want In modern, I'm going to bring I'm a coward, I'm going to bring hammer time I'm just a massive coward, I don't want to die, surprisingly So I'm going to go full tryhard What about
1: you guys? Right. It's really tough. Yeah, you can go go. that's fine.
2: Go go go! If you have if you have something.
1: I was just gonna I was just gonna keep playing blue red Murktide. I was gonna slant a bit hammer time, but I think that if people find things that are really good against hammer time, then Murktide is going to be good against them. And I think you can get yourself close enough to good against against hammers that. You, you keep your favorable matchups across the board, but I'm not confident in this. I just got, I just felt more comfortable playing blue red than I have playing any deck for quite a while. So I'm happy to just keep doing what what suits me.
2: Yeah, I like living in. and It's good against hammer time, but I feel like the the the, the stuff people are starting to play to beat hammer time is gonna be not great for living in necessarily. Uh, you know, Grixis was drawn in the lock, discard spells, etc. That's that's going to be a tough matchup, so... You know what? I'm going to play Blue-White Urza. I'm going to... I've got a couple days until my life is on the line, and I'm I'm tuning that if, tuning that
1: Blue-White Urza deck, and... I believe Harry explicitly said that the tournament's tomorrow.
2: Oh, well, Blue-White Urza. Uh-huh.
0: I'm kind of screwed either way, so... <laughs> yeah, you
1: can stay up <laughs> all night tuning it.
0: <laughs> okay. Well... As well as we're gonna do the prices right using cardmarket.com sponsor I thought we the made the prices
1: right on Emery this week.
0: We, nah, that was we not the prices right. Yeah. Actually, I like to quote prices of multiple cards throughout the podcast, Pat. Thank you very much. <laughs> no worries, it's fine. Um let's let me pick a card this week. Why don't we do oh demilish. DemiLish. It'll be the pre order price, I believe i'm gonna i'll start as well because i came up with the i'm gonna say is it mythic do we know if it's mythic or rare it's definitely mythic if it's It's mythic i'm gonna say 24. can you pre-order on card market because it's people selling cards really okay best marketplace online they would never let us down like that come on of course you can pre-order Lich, mythic
2: four cents it's gonna be
0: drafted a lot but maybe
2: it's gonna start high. You said twenty-four. You said forty. I'm just gonna go thirty-two then. Okay,
0: let's look. My guy Demilish. It is. Oh, it's 20.
2: Man, twenty. You drove. You drove the price. Yeah, I didn't think it would be that expensive. Well, it's I said twenty-four. Even, it's like almost unplayable in the standard, assuredly, and it's not even that great in modern. Like, yeah, good job, Harry. Yeah, i got ever. hooked i got hooked it's by right? cats
1: yeah well, like i just say. have no idea what anything's worth and i never will ever learn
0: <laughs> okay well gab where can we find you on the internet you can find me on
2: twitter at see if you can find me on twitch twitch.tv slash yellow hats
0: awesome you can find me sleeping tonight because i'm tired but you can also find me at Heritage on YouTube. You can hate on me from a most recent clickbait. I forgot to mention that. That was so funny. I didn't realize I would trick so many people with that thumbnail. If you know the thumbnail, you know it. If not, go check out my YouTube. It's your fault for missing. You get a lot of haters, Harry. Oh yeah, dude. That video popped off. All I can say is that thumbnail. <laughs> I was, was, was going down a rabbit hole of
2: watching dance videos yesterday and some and some music ones. And there's that, that girl on, on one of the the talent shows, you know, the big shows that she wrote a song, just the lyrics are all hate comments from her YouTube page.
0: Uh,
2: interesting. It's, it's really good. The, 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 the tune was pretty catchy, and
0: the lyrics, it was funny. Yeah, it was good. Okay, sick, sick. Okay, well, Pat, where can we find you?
1: You can find me leaving a disparaging comment on that YouTube video is <laughs>
0: Thank you, thank you. What's funny is if you leave a comment on a YouTube video, it just supports it, so if you're commenting hating on me, you're just supporting me.
1: You hate me because you hate me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, anyways. If you did make it this far into the episode, thank you so much for listening. And uh, I guess we'll catch you guys next week. Take care, everyone.